Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the best of the Joe Show, where we run back some of the best audio that you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. How you doing? I'm Dan Day. Hopefully, you are ready for Hurricane Dorian. I'm originally from New Orleans, so like you, I know a thing or two about hurricanes. Be prepared. Get plenty of gas, get plenty of water, get plenty of food, get plenty of booze. Okay, that's kind of the New Orleans coming out of me, but seriously... Take care of yourself this weekend and over the next couple of days as Dorian passes either by or through or nearby. We're going to keep you updated on everything throughout the storm right here, 560 The Joe, WQAM. In just a few minutes, going to be hearing from Joe Rose Show, Dan Lebitard, and Hawkman and Crowder. But first, let's do some headlines. Ryan Fitzpatrick has been named the Dolphins' starting quarterback. The announcement comes on the heels of the Finns' victory last night over the Saints 16-13. They finished the preseason 3-1. Next up, the season opener, September 8th, against the Ravens here in Miami. Tulane defeated FIU last night 42-14. Tonight, there is plenty more college football action, including to name a few, Wisconsin versus South Florida, Michigan State and Tulsa, plus Oklahoma State will take on Oregon State. Harold Ramirez's 12th inning walk-off home run last night helped the Marlins salvage at least one game of their four-game series against the Reds. The Fish start a six-game road trip tonight in Washington, D.C. First pitch is at 7.05. Coco Goff has advanced to the third round of the U.S. Open and will play number one-ranked Naomi Osaka tomorrow. On the men's side, Roger Federer defeated Britain's Dan Evans in straight sets. Carly Lloyd scored a goal in front of her hometown crowd last night as the U.S. women's national team defeated Portugal 4-0 in Philadelphia. The two play again Tuesday. And now, let's take a step into the day spa. Are you upset that you did not get to try Popeye's chicken sandwich before they sold out? Probably not as much as the Tennessee man who is suing the chicken chain for false advertising and time loss searching for one of their sandwiches. He's asking for $5,000 in compensation. DEA agents in San Diego recently discovered over four tons of pot hidden in a truckload of jalapeno peppers. Dude, spicy. Now on to weather, brought to you by Hylia Park. Tonight's forecast calls for partly cloudy skies, some rain, and temperatures around 80. Visit Hylia Park Casino every Saturday and win your share of $10,000 in giveaways. Drawings all day long, and it's free to enter. Visit HyliaPark.com for more details. Yes, it is hurricane season. It is also football season, both very important. Earlier today, the Joe Rose Show caught up with football guru Mike Florio talking about Clowney's possibilities of coming to Miami, Carly Lloyd kicking it, what's Jerry Jones' deal, and will Rosen rise? 
Mike Florio from ProFootballTalk.com joins us to talk about everything going on in a, in a big week. Of course, cuts are all coming up here. We'll be done by tomorrow at 4 o'clock, and that's just the beginners for around here, Mike, is uh, we'll be picking guys up off the waiver wire, trying to figure out if there's any big trades. And speaking of big trades, what do you think about this Jadavian Clowney, Laramie Tunsil, plus draft picks and everything else is being thrown around? Do you think it happens? I don't know that it happens. Cause look, it can't happen until Jadavian Clowney signs his franchise tender, and he seemed to be cool on the idea of being traded to the Miami Dolphins. But one of my big takeaways when I saw that they're already talking about Jadavian Clowney plus Houston's first-round pick next year for Laramie Tunsil, if they can't work his deal out, if I'm Jadavian Clowney, I'm starting that franchise tender because I think the next step on the flow chart for the Texans may be to rescind the tender. And I hadn't thought of that as a possibility for Jadavian Clowney this year. But if you're going to give him up and a first-round pick to get Laramie Tunsil, I, it tells me that the Texans are getting closer and closer to the end of the rope with Jadavian Clowney. And uh, if they can't get this done, they may move on, and they can move on anytime before he accepts that, that franchise tender. So I was kind of surprised that those are the terms. I'm surprised the Dolphins want more. I'm not surprised that, that they'd be considering this move. And, and you know, that, that story that came out yesterday about a potential revolt in the locker room, I think Brian Flores, he's got that Bill Belichick tattoo on his brain. I think that only makes him more determined to show he's in charge and he's not going to listen to guys who are going to talk off the record, unnamed sourcing to the media, that there's going to be a revolt. He's the one who's making the decisions for the team. If the players don't like it, too bad. All right, Mike, walk through why you, you think that's a lot the Dolphins would get in return because they're, they're getting Jadavian Clowney with one-year rental. At, at this if he gets a franchise and, tag, and, yeah. And a, and, a, and a draft pick that will be in the 20s for a for a left tackle at 25. You can you're, you have under control for at least three years, and then you can lock up. First of all, there's no guarantee that that pick's going to be in the 20s. I think it's going to be higher than 20s because I think the Texans are going to backslide this year. Now, if they get Larry Mutunso, maybe it's more likely to be in the 20s. I, I, I just look at it from the standpoint of Jadavian Clowney and what he has shown he can do when healthy. Um, it's, 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 it just seems to me like uh, like a deal that it's, you know maybe maybe Clowney really isn't what people think. And I don't know why the Texans ever franchise tagged in the first place if that was the case. They just handled this so poorly. And, you know, it's not like Tunsil is considered one of the shortlist ultimate best left tackles in all of football. I mean, he's shown that, that he can be good, but we're not going to put him in the Hall of Fame based upon what we've seen so far in, in, in his NFL career. And the idea that the Dolphins want even more than what's on the table reportedly, it's, it, the whole thing seems odd to me. And, and the, whole, the whole concept of trading to Debbie and Clowney, the, the Texans should have been having these conversations before July 15 right. because then whoever gets Clowney can sign him to a new deal. The Dolphins or anyone else can't. Mike, I want to ask you the other crazy story that we talked about this week, and I'm sure you have too. Carly Lloyd, great soccer player, uh, kicks a 55-yard field goal. Everybody really got into it, and wow, how cool would that be? And now guys, kickers are going, oh, I'd like to help her and be involved. So I went back and I was just looking, and first of all, you know, if she was kicking 40 yards and she did kick one from 55, it's very impressive, but... She's going to have to shorten it up to start with and get a lot closer. The guys flying around the outside will block everything around her. And second of all, Mike, I started thinking about somebody blocks one or she's on a kickoff and kicks one and they're coming at her. I don't know. I'm not saying all the kickers are big guys to start with. What do you think about her becoming a field goal kicker? It'd be a huge story, probably good for the NFL. But what do you think about it ever happening? 
She weighs 141 pounds. Cairo Santo weighs 160. And, you know, Keenan Allen made that point about it would be the stampede scene in the Lion King if there's a blocked kick. Look, we have seen some very unathletic kickers over the year. Yep. Uh, you guys saw it in Super Bowl seven with Daryl Upremian. I'd like to think that Carly Lloyd, given her experience with the throw-in playing soccer, would do a little bit better than Upremian did when he found the ball in his hands with, uh, you know, with, with uh, all <laughs> the, the whole team rated. Yeah, the, the it, it attacking. Would been, it would have been, yeah. been the only Super Bowl shutout, but for that ridiculous <laughs> moment. But you know, Rich Carlos used to run around out there with a bare foot. Um, yeah, the, anyone named Grammatica is less athletic than Carly Lloyd. You know, she. But, but, but here, here's the, the the thing. Two points. She is going to have to shorten the approach. You can't. First of all, you can't take five steps up to the ball right. for an NFL field goal, and you can't wait for the ball to be in position before you even begin your approach. You you are approaching a target that isn't there. You're moving at the snap, and you're swinging your leg as the ball's being put down, and that is not an easy thing to do. Now, can she learn it? Absolutely. The other thing that, that I think is important about this, because she's 37, right? If she makes it to the NFL, how long is she going to be in the NFL? Is she going to kick for seven years? I don't think so. I think what, what this does... It's going to inspire girls that are out there now, 19, 20 years old, that may have a strong leg. Maybe, maybe a girl who's eight, nine years old that just is determined that this is what I'm going to do. You know, Carly Lloyd jumping into it at age 37 is a far cry from somebody who decides that this is their dream and they're going to take all the steps necessary and be ready for the opportunity when it comes. And we're going to see maybe more kickers at the lower levels who are female, and then you work your way up that way. It's the same concept when we talk about coaches – being hired who are female. The only way there's ever going to be an NFL head coach who is a female is if there are enough coaches who are female at right. every level of the sport that eventually there's going to be one that bubbles up through the ranks that is pretty damn good, and it's undeniable that this is someone who can get that job done. And, the same, and, and so the, the point is, it's, the, it's the, the symbolic power of this. Even if it never happens for Carly Lloyd, it has sparked a conversation where there's going to be some, yeah. some little girl in, in Nebraska that decides this is what I'm going to do, and 15 years from now she's going to be doing it. Did somebody give her a tryout? Because she said somebody was giving her, but she was busy with her schedule for preseason. You think somebody gives her a shot? It's great PR. Yeah, and here's the thing. I, I, I've never seen any team either say directly or leak that they're going to. There's a, there's a publicity stunt element to this that is unfortunate because it gives the naysayers some red meat that they can point to to say this is all a farce and it's all a joke. But this is far more serious. Remember Lawrence Silverman? That goes back six or seven years. The NFL was doing regional combines because they were trying to create an American Idol vibe. And, and she's the, the woman that showed up for the Jets regional combine, and she was going to try out to be a kicker, and the NFL made a big deal about it. And she was horrendous. And, the, and, and I remember there was an article on NFL.com chastising her for making a mockery of the process. It's like, hey, NFL, you made the mockery of the process by embracing this. But, you know, there is a certain element of that, but this feels more serious because we've seen the 55-yard field goal. So I, I think that, that, you know, there is some interest, apparently, but at some point you got to quit talking about it. you just got to go do it, yeah. and we'll see if that's something that she ends up doing in the offseason after 2019 and then try to land somewhere in 2020. Well, President Obama had Garrow, your premium, recreate that lateral in, in, in the Oval Office when the 72 team met. So there was something that came out of that of more comedy anyways. I wanted to switch to Jerry Jones, dealing with players, negotiating with players. Explain why that is so frowned upon. Well, it's frowned upon for, for a couple of reasons. And I know when I was practicing law, but one of the worst things you could do was communicate directly with the 
opposing party behind the back of that person's lawyer. You don't do it. That's why you have representatives. And for football players, their agents are certified by and regulated by the NFL Players Association. They are the surrogates of the NFLPA who are there to protect and defend the rights and the interests of the players. And what Jerry Jones does, and he admitted to this last night, he says he doesn't negotiate with the players in that he doesn't trade proposals with them directly. But what he does is he goes to work on them to sell them on why he thinks their offer, the team's offer, should be accepted which is negotiating with them. You want to get the player to say yes. You don't want the player to go back to his agent and say, say no to the Cowboys, I want more. And and it's very powerful. And they've been doing it in plain sight for decades. Nobody's ever called them out on it. It finally hit the fan this week where I think they've been so blatant about it. It's all coming together between Dak Prescott's deal and Ezekiel Elliott's deal and between Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones, they've been talking openly about their disdain for agents because they keep the Cowboys from getting things done their way. Now the challenge is, will the League of the Union do something about it? Because if they do something about it now, they're going to have to concede directly or implicitly that they've been sitting on their hands for 30 years while Jerry Jones has been doing this. And you end up looking a little negligent if it took you that long to realize there's a problem that needs to be rectified. But if you don't fix it, the message to every other team out there is, hey, this is now one of the weapons in your arsenal. You can go straight to the player, cut out the middleman, and put the hard sell on the player to take your bottom line offer, whatever that offer is, and try to keep that player from going back to his agent and saying, I want more. Mike, for the first time, um, I feel like this preseason is going to finally, they're going to get real serious about shortening this thing. I wasn't buying it before. I saw how many quarterbacks did not take one snap during the preseason. I didn't know. You're probably aware of it. I just saw it on one of the shows. There was a handful of guys like didn't take one snap for preseason. Man, it's hard to justify when you, when your best players aren't doing aren't playing at all, practicing, getting together for these practices, and that's it, competing every day. And, and not playing these games, why the hell do you need them? What do you yeah, think? Tw- through, tw- through two weeks of the preseason, there were 12 starting quarterbacks that didn't take a single snap, but I think it was like four or five that did play at all. Wow. And, you know, this isn't something that's being calculated by ownership. I think ownership would prefer that the four-game preseason continue to be justified and viable because they don't want to give up any of the preseason revenue until they have a replacement. Now, the focal point in the short term is expanding the playoffs. I don't know that expanding the playoffs is quite enough to offset giving up half of your preseason revenue. I really do think, and when Commissioner Goodell recently said that the demand for international games outpaces the supply, I really do think that the Mark Murphy suggestion of 17 regular season games, two preseason games, maybe you throw on a 14-team playoff field as as opposed to 12, if you go 17 regular season games, that gives everyone eight true home games, eight true road games, and one neutral site game. That would be 16 total neutral site games that would satisfy the demand for international football. And it also would allow the NFL to get creative in places where NFL games aren't played, like the Big House in Ann Arbor or at Notre Dame or Happy Valley in Pennsylvania or something like that. And you can find 16 neutral sites for those games. And uh, I I feel like that when it's time to make your final proposal to the NFLPA, that the NFL is going to focus on 17 regular season games, two preseason games, maybe 14 playoff teams, and then then they're going to have more than enough international games. And I think that 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 comment from the commissioner was not accidental. It was not just something he blurted out. I think it's a signal that this is where they're trying to go. 
Mike, we've lived this uh, Josh Rosen, Ryan Fitzpatrick quarterback battle or battle day by day. Give us some perspective from the national view of Ryan Fitzpatrick being chosen over Josh Rosen. Well, I think the fact that Josh Rosen didn't win the job week one is the early litmus test on whether or not you need to find another quarterback next year. I, I think that the inability of Rosen to beat out Fitzpatrick may tell you everything you need to know about whether or not Rosen is going to be your franchise quarterback. Because, you know, if he is, he wins that job yep. as of week Thank one. You. And I think they want to pay attention very carefully to how he deals with it, how he reacts to being on the bench. Um, and, and, and because of the, how you how you handle adversity, the, the, the challenges that, that aren't just physical but also psychological in football, that that's going to be important. And we know from history and some of the criticism of Josh Rosen in the past, that there is reason to pay attention to how he's going to handle these situations. So, yeah, bottom line is, if you follow Brian Fitzpatrick's career arc, every time you think he's good, he ends up playing poorly, and any time he starts playing poorly, he eventually plays well. There's going to be a window for Josh Rosen to get on the football field this year, uh, and uh, you know we'll see what he does when he gets his chance. Boy, he's got to know that too, though. That man, I need to play. Or they got that high first round pick next year. They're going to grab somebody, and I'm back in the same damn situation. Mike, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on here on a Friday. Right. See you guys. Joe Rose, he caught Dan Marino's first touchdown pass as a professional, so he has soft hands and he's soft on the ears weekdays. In the morning from 6 to 10. You can find out more about that and everything about the radio station at our website, WQAM.com. You can also give us a follow on Twitter at 560WQAM and give me a follow too at Dan Day Radio. Up next, Dan Lebetard, he has a poo poo quote for you. It's the best of the Joe Show. Welcome back to the Best of the Joe Show, where we run back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours to add to that traffic report. Basically, every gas station in South Florida that actually has gas, pretty backed up right now also, as if you didn't already know. Listening to some Swiss beats right now. Happy birthday, Swiss. 40 years young. Some other notable birthdays. Cameron Diaz. Woo. 47 years young. If you're looking for a loan, Warren Buffett, 89. The great Ted Williams on this day in 1918 was born. Of course, he passed away in 2002. He is missed. And former NFL MVP, Seattle Seahawks running back, Sean Alexander, 42 today. And this one's cool. Tennis player Andy Roddick, not only is it his 37th birthday, but it marks the seventh anniversary of him retiring from tennis. It's like, happy birthday. I'm retired. Someone that's not retired, our very own Dan Lebetard. He was working hard earlier today, getting you ready for Hurricane Dorian, talking some Fitz magic, how they would settle the QB battle here in Miami. Was there too much sports on last night? And the mispronunciation, Suey Awards. Now you've decided to be light with the idea of an approaching hurricane. Now, after spending all morning, are we going to be here Monday and Tuesday and not uh, here at work? I mean, just here on the planet. Is Miami going to drift off into the sea? Uh, Roy Bellamy last night experienced the uh, South Florida fun that is panic and gouging. Ugh. If uh, our football teams played the way that people panicked and gouging do, uh, we would have, in the last 20 years, decent football things to talk about. Instead, we're talking about whether Josh Rosen or Ryan Fitzpatrick should be the uh, 
the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. I love, and this should indicate to you guys how far behind the Dolphins and everyone in the AFC East has been, and will be again this year because the Patriots have the weakest quarterbacks of any schedule in the NFL that they're playing against because they get to play against the ones in this division all the time. (laughs) And the ones in this division are always Ryan Fitzpatrick for the Bills, Ryan Fitzpatrick for the Jets, Ryan Fitzpatrick for the Dolphins. But maybe this year Josh Allen takes a big step forward. Maybe Sam Darnold takes a big step up. Maybe. Okay, okay. and continuing to chase uh, maybes, the (laughs) AFC East is something to get laughed at beyond the Patriots, but I think it's funny, the forward-thinking teams with all of these McBay clones, people who look alike, like Mm LeFleur, all of these guys, they're not playing Aaron Rodgers a snap. No, uh, Jared Goff's not playing a snap. Philip Rivers isn't playing a snap. Ryan Fitzpatrick, more snaps than any quarterback during preseason. <laughs> it takes them longer, and by longer, I mean 20 years to figure out who their quarterback is going to be than any other team in the sport. But there's a battle going on. Those other places, they know who their oh, starter is going to be. No, there was a battle going on. That's kind of battle. What kind of battle is that? Josh Rosen can't play if he can't beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick in week one, even understanding that you throw the first two games with Fitzpatrick because you're kind of tanking. They're difficult games, and you want to give Rosen easier games uh, the rest of the schedule. The Dolphins are just an unending embarrassment as they sit here and talk about trading for Jadavian Clowney and the, the the asking price is Laramie Tunsil, old uh, marijuana marijuana smoke mask, uh, gas mask, and now you hear that if they trade Tunsil, the Dolphins will revolt. And I'm here to tell you that if the Dolphins will revolt, they will lose that revolt to whomever is on the schedule. <laughs> like, they're not going to win any revolts trying to defend Laramie Tunsil. Yeah, revolt's a six-and-a-half-point favorite. <laughs> Put it on the poll, gear. My Levitard showed. And I would pound revolt. Dolphins <laughs> against revolt. Is revolt a six-and-a-half-point favorite? But You don't need to worry about Clowney because the reports are that Clowney does not want to be here in Miami. Why? Because the team is lousy. And there are no easy games for the Dolphins. I can't believe you said that. They're all difficult. I didn't say easy (laughs) games for the Dolphins. I said they had hard games. They're all hard. On the front of their schedule. And then the easier ones are what follow. Um, But before we get to any of that, because... Billy is crazed and panicked, uh, and again, Roy had all sorts of trouble, uh, all sorts of trouble getting anything hurricane related. We'll get to his misadventures in a second. But Billy, in his craze and his panic, spent the entire time before the show talking about this idea he has when you have a quarterback battle. Yes! I didn't think we were going to get here. Sorry to interrupt. Go on. Why are you crossing your arms in frustration, Mike? Because of what a terrible idea it is? Well, it's just not only was it a terrible idea, but there were so many holes in it when he was workshopping this before that I thought there was no way we were going to national with it. I mean, I was trying to work with him, and I'm willing to still work with him on this, but Mike is right. Mike is wrong. I'm a visionary, okay? Accept it, people. This is what people thought of Benjamin Franklin. When I speak, that's the way Benjamin Franklin used to speak on things. And people were like, this guy, Ben's a kook. And it's like, oh, no, he's on the $100 bill now. Guys, here's the thing. When Benjamin. Your team, when your team has a Q battle like the Dolphins have right now, a QB battle, I'm just trying to save time here and not have to explain it. So I'm, you know, shortening things. A QB battle, Q battle. When your team has a what's the best way to figure out who can handle a situation better? You put them in similar situations, right? However, they're not in the exact same situation until teams start doing this. This is what teams should start doing. 
Why don't you just say it? I'm why, no, it. but we instead of here. this and then coming around and then saying this is what this is, why don't you just say it? I mean, you went to it. Just I'm say trying, it. I'm trying to get there. If you guys yeah, but just don't tell me what this is. Just tell us it. All right. Dan, if you could. We're trying to yeah, I mean, yeah. we're trying to be issues. efficient yes, here. Yeah. Come on. Careful. All right. This is what you do. You put two centers and two quarterbacks on the field at the exact same time. Same number of receivers, same number of linemen, and have them hike the ball at the exact same time. And then give them two different color balls if you want. And then you see which quarterback's making the right decision faster because two balls will be flying potentially at the same receivers. <laughs> and then you'll find out who got it there quicker, who identified the open man faster. Oh, this person threw it to the wrong guy. He's not seeing what he's supposed to be seeing right now. If there's two centers and two quarterbacks on the field at the exact same time with the same number of receivers and linemen, there's no way that any outside factors could impact who's making the right decision. So it's a race to throw the ball first. I like the different colored balls, though. That no, I like. No, yes. it's not even a race. They have saved it. We're trying to figure out who makes the right decision, not the quickest decision, because mm. sometimes you could throw the ball. What if he throws it into coverage? The guy's covered. Boom, it goes down. But the play keeps going because another quarterback sells the ball. Boom, down the field. He burned the corner. Wide open, touchdown. He made the right decision. You know they do this all the time. No, practice. they do not. Yes, they I have do. never seen one practice <laughs> yeah, well, where there's two centers and two quarterbacks on the field at the exact same time throwing to the same receiver. They don't need to do that. They film every practice. And no, they take the no, exact same play, no, 11 on 11, and they do it side by side, mm -hmm. and they evaluate it the same way that you did no. without 22 what players on What they don't defense. do, Mike, what they, they don't, don't do, do is what Billy is saying, which is have two quarterbacks throwing the same football <laughs> or a different football different at colors, the same receiver. Colors, yes. Right, different footballs at the same receiver, and whoever's ball gets there first, that was the quicker, better decision if they are indeed throwing to the same exact receiver, because the receiver's going to drop the second ball unless it's Antonio Brown. The, the receiver should <laughs> even go after the second ball. That quarterback snoozed, he lost. Well, but what if patience was the right play there? Well, then the ball will get to him when it's time to be patient. I'm telling you, the other way you do it, there's always outside circumstances that affect the result. Talk to any scientist, alright? There's always a control. This aspect removes any circumstances throwing this off whatsoever because everybody's doing it at the exact same time well here's the thing you've got one guy on the right hash one guy off the left hash so it's going to be a further throw for one of the two guys because they're not going to throw the same receiver going one way or the other right, right. well guess what ant the ball's not always in the same spot on the field that's football all right figure it out qb uh, Billy was also complaining. Uh, he was also complaining that there was too much in the way of sports uh, last night. Ah, uh, loaded. There were too many sports. All right, we don't need to talk about this now. But there's too many college football, NFL, baseball, tennis. I mean, what about Friday? We saw Friday. We have Wednesday. You could split these things up a little bit. How am I supposed to watch every college game and any every NFL game? It, it's too much. Uh, you're just rusty because you haven't had enough Saturdays in your life when you've been watching all of these games. Uh, <laughs> I did like a couple of things that happened last night, including a quote from Tyler Huntley, who plays for Utah, about BYU when he said, uh, they're so poo-poo. You can tweet that. So that's the new, that's the new you can quote me. You can tweet that. They're so poo-poo is what you got. You got Charles Whitehurst. Wait, was that the quarterback for BYU? You've got Charlie Whitehurst saying that uh, the Georgia Tech turnover Instagram board is uh, the most embarrassing thing that he has ever seen on a football field. Charlie Whitehurst, uh, you know, is one of our favorites. He should have played quarterback in the NFL uh, riding around on a white horse shirtless. Um, <laughs> what is this thing he's talking about, though? Because while I watched Clemson totally dismantle, I saw I saw that they had a couple of interceptions that they'd thrown and they 
were still winning 28 nothing at halftime because they and Alabama are so much better than everyone else. That's what that team looks like when their quarterback doesn't play well. I mean, they are menacing. And they lost four or five guys on the defensive line, and they showed no signs of it last night because the defense was amazing. Did uh, did Etienne average 20 yards a carry last night against Georgia Tech? Had, what, 13 carries or 12 carries for 200-plus yards? He's good. He's fast. I'm pretty sure their so poo-poo is on the Maxwell Award watch list. Ah. <laughs> Here it is, our final Suey Award, which is Mispronunciations from the Last Year. And now the Suey nominees for Best Mispronunciation. Stugat says, Recent. Recent. Four. Rar. Nice. Nice. Socks. Socks. Careful. Careful. Compensatory. Compensatory. Copyright. Copyright. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. Galaraga. Galaraga. Party. Hoarding. Alma mater. Alma mater. Fraudulent. Fraudulent. If you want to attend. If you want to Quality. Cog. Stella Artois. Stella Artois. Stephen A. Smith says, Tua Tonga Vailoa. Was it Taco Vailoa? I mean, I mean, uh, Tago from Hawaii. <laughs> Seems to be a two-man race. Every last one of them is great, though. Everyone, every last one of them deserves to win. There should be no losers here. Quality. Cog. <laughs> That's amazing. Like that. that I, I want to call John Amici right now and just call and ask him what it is that he thinks that is that Stugatz is trying to say. Cog. I'm not going to disrespect the man by mispronouncing his name. It's Dan Lebitard, and he can be heard here weekdays from 10 to 1. For years, Mark Hockman was Dan Lebitard's executive producer. He's off on his own doing his own show with former Miami Dolphin Channing Crowder. Up next, we're going to hear from those guys talking about the Dolphins quarterback merry-go-round on the Best of the Joe Show. This is the best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours, playing us some good audio right now from the 1975. They're going to be at our Riptide Music Festival for more details about that, and you're going to want them because that lineup is killer. Seriously, the killer is one of the headliners, 1975 performing, one of my all-time favorite bands, the Silver Sun Pickups. They're going to be performing, so you know I'm going to be there double-fisting, rocking out, having a good time, and I want to have a good time with you. One more time, that website, WQAM.com. Now, I promised you we're going to get some Hawkman and Crowder audio, and usually what I do is I jump on the radio and I talk about some of the stuff they're about to talk about, tease it, and let you know, but I figured why not? Getting ready for the big hurricane. I'm about to take a shower tonight and probably not shower for the next couple of days. I'm going to be here at the radio station making things happen. Everyone's getting prepared, including executive producer of the Hawkman and Crowder show, Alejandro Solana. He's getting prepared right now in the studio, and he's nice enough to take time from his preparedness to kind of give us a taste of what we're about to hear from the Hawkman and Crowder show. Alejandro. Well, I'm honored that uh, the Hawkman and Crowder show is getting some exclusive airtime on my favorite hour put together by Dan Day here on The Joe, the best of The Joe Show. Dan kills it every single day from 6 to 7 p.m. So have to give uh, have to give you a nice little shout-out there. But So basically what you're going to hear here, Dan, 
is somehow, of course, the news of Ryan Fitzpatrick being named the number the week one starter for the Miami Dolphins versus the Baltimore Ravens. Hawk has his, his website honked off like a goose, and he has a T-shirt of every single Dolphins quarterback listed uh, since Dan Marino retired. Every single Dolphins quarterback that has started for the Miami Dolphins since Dan Marino retired, and you have Chad Henney, you have Ryan Tannehill, you have Dante Culpepper, you have a list of names, all pretty sad names as Who? well. Who? Right. Who? And now we get to add Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now somehow a discussion about adding Ryan Fitzpatrick to that list and how poor that list has been over the past, the better half of two decades, we somehow transition to a Mount Rushmore of crackers. Okay. Yeah, Mount Rushmore of Crackers. That makes a lot of sense. Now, you guys do talk a lot about food. In your opinion, you've been executive producer for the show a little while now. Who has the worst food taste on the show? Oh, it's Hawk, and it's it's not even close. Like, I mean, I've I've met maybe one other person in my lifetime with worse food takes than Mark Hawkman. That only that person is Tito Bonacci. He used to work here at the station. But like today, eating some sweet potato fries, and Hawk wouldn't let me eat sweet potato fries in peace because he has this very um, nasty idea that sweet potato fries aren't good. And I, 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 it just bothers me. Like, everybody loves sweet potato fries. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I, right. I mean, and it's Hawk, for sure. He has, he has the worst food takes. Uh, again, some of the worst food takes I've ever heard. Okay. Well, we're about to hear from that. Before that, though, before you get back to your preparedness, how can people follow you on Twitter? You can follow me at Alex M. Solana on Instagram and on Twitter. He told you everything you need to know. Enjoy. Dolphins, they have officially named Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was, by the way, the worst performing quarterback of all three of their quarterbacks in the preseason, the starter for week one regular season. Saving the good stuff. I, uh, I do find that part to be a little funny, right? Because it was a quarterback competition. And he performed the worst. Now, oh, yeah. I, I'm talking about specifically in the four preseason games. The numbers, yes. In yes. practice, we know Brian Flores was happy with the way Ryan Fitzpatrick was a leader and his body language and the way that he controlled the team. And he thought that, that Josh Rosen had growing in that area to do. But in the four preseason games, which is what most fans watch, they saw Josh Rosen and Jake Rudock outplay Ryan Fitzpatrick so I think there's probably a lot of people that feel like oh that was a fraudulent quarterback competition like you could have named if, if Ryan Fitzpatrick was your starter eight weeks ago you could have named him your starter eight weeks ago and you would have missed all the rigmarole that went along with this stuff because that that's the only part that that I have a little bit of trouble with I don't care I'm for Fitzpatrick starting because I think it makes more sense because if you start Josh Rosen you really have to stick with him for 16 games in my estimation yep but I uh I the only part that I get hung up on is you know why is it really a competition then like you made up your mind early on I don't think there was anything that was going to change his mind they would um Rosen would have to steal the married guy from his wife. Rosen was the mistress. They were married to Fitzpatrick. They knew what Fitzpatrick was. They had 16 years he of Fitzpatrick. He did enough to do it, though, didn't he? Did, no, he didn't. Rosen impressed you that much? Rosen went out there and had a couple good drives. I mean, isn't it almost the, the mistress that tells you, yes, I might leave, I might leave, but there was never any chance 
that the person was going to leave. And, and he would, he, she would have to steal. I'm talking about just tear him away from his wife. Flores brought him in to start. Flores brought him in to be the, the energy that we know Fitzpatrick's going to be eight games a year, six games a year, whatever it is, because the team needed some kind of energy. But, yeah, Rosen would have to come in here and just – he would have had to gain the respect of all coaches, all players, all administrators. Like, he would have had to come in here and just ran shop over the entire organization to start. I, I told y'all weeks ago Fitzpatrick's going to start. Well, he made it official yesterday. So I, uh, so I tweeted out, you know, I've got those T-shirts at honkedofflikeagoose.com. So I tweeted out, it's official, you know, next man up, and here is the list. These are the starting quarterbacks since Dan Marino. Brace yourself. Jay Fiedler. Damon Heward, Ray Lucas, Brian Greasy, A.J. Feely, Sage Rosenfels, Gus Farratt, Dante Culpepper, Joey Harrington, Cleo Lemon, Trent Green, John Beck, Chad Pennington, Chad Henney, Tyler Thigpen, Matt Moore, Ryan Tannehill, Jay Cutler, Brock Osweiler, and now Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I tweeted that. Randy McMichael retweeted it this afternoon and uh, and wrote, I played with 11 of them, which is shocking. You've played with a number of them. Like I played with 10. I mean, it's unbelievable. And then it, it got it went a little viral on Twitter because people are – when Randy McMichael saw so a bunch of people in Atlanta, and then it became this thing of, hey, for those of you that are unhappy with Matt Ryan, like look what happened to the Dolphins after Dan Marino – and look at how difficult it is to find a quarterback. It is. That's the. I mean, that's proof positive right there. It is not an easy task to find a quarterback. It's why Indianapolis had gotten lucky with Andrew Luck up until he retired or whatnot. You know, to go from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck is the rarity. But remember, they didn't get lucky. They decided well, to to not be good that year. They, they maneuvered. They yes. maneuvered and for what, it. And then like made, what the Dolphins are doing, maneuvering. Well, I, I would agree. I would agree. No, I mean, you need to. Uh, you don't need to look any further than that list. And you go, yeah, like that is, I mean, that is ineptitude at its finest. Aside from Jay Fiedler had a couple good seasons, right? Um, looking down the list. <laughs> I was seeing who your next guy was. Chad Pennington, I guess. Chad's the best quarterback since Marino. And then Tannehill, maybe, right? I mean, solid. Out of, who are the top four quarterbacks out of? For the Dolphins, by the way, because Dante Culpepper, I'm going to read his name. He didn't do anything for Miami, so no. you can't you, you can't bring into what he did, uh, you know, with Minnesota. Who are the top four court? The Mount Rushmore, and for people that text in, you know, Pat White, he was never a starter, so that that's always the point of contention. It's, it's funny that you have to tell people that every, every time. time. Every time. You're arguing Pat White in 2019? And I, I put always, like, this T-shirt is Dolphins starters. I even put in that tweet, don't mention Pat White. <laughs> He wasn't a starter, and I've got a number of tweets. What about Pat White? But here, if I told you, you have to do a Mount Rushmore of Dolphins starting quarterbacks since Dan Marino. Jay Fiedler, Damon Heward, Ray Lucas, Brian Greasy, A.J. Feely, Sage Rosenfels, Gus Farratt, Dante Culpepper, Joey Harrington, Cleo Lemon, Trent Green, John Beck, Chad Pennington, Chad Henney, Tyler Thigpen, Matt Moore, Ryan Tannehill, Jake Cutler, Brock Osweiler, and now Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think you forgot Pat White. <laughs> I mean, every freaking time. I got Pennington, Fiedler. Tannehill's got to uh, be on there. It's Tannehill, and then I'm, I'm stuck between Feely and Rosenfeld. I think I go Matt Moore. 
Over oh, Felian Rosenfeld? Matt Moore, remember he was the, the player of the year for the Dolphins? The, the year that they should have been really bad to get Andrew Luck. Wasn't that the Andrew Luck season where he, he came in in relief and went? He was in 10-6 yeah. and, and he was MVP of the team. Hmm. I, I think, I mean. Matt Moore? This argument in itself is crazy. Which When did Dan Marino retire? 2001. Yeah. 2001. So 20 years I'm making an argument that Matt Moore is on the Mount Rushmore of Dolphins starting quarterback since Dan Marino. They tried. They drafted free agents. That should be their slogan. <laughs> they tried. The sell season tickets. The Miami Dolphins. We tried. <laughs> they tried. I mean, is that the craziest conversation, though? If I said you have to name, and it would have to be, you know, NFL teams that have had, what, 15 quarterbacks at least in the last 20 years. There's yeah. some of them. I mean, the Cleveland Browns have, right? I mean, Browns will be up certain there. teams, the New England Patriots, <laughs> have just, you know, coasted through with Rolled their out with Brady. big old font with one guy on the T-shirt. <laughs> Wait, oh, before we continue on, let me get headlines real quick here with Alejandro Solana. This is WAXYAM South Miami and WSFSFM HD2. Miramar, a radio.com sports station. A lot going on locally, very important to get to, but we'll begin with the Marlins. <laughs> he loves his Marlins headlines. The Fish finally took a game from the Reds this season. They end that four-game series with a 1-3 and record against the Cincinnati Reds. Today they're on the road. They begin a three-game series. Crowder in Washington. First pitch him. is at 7.05 p.m. <laughs> okay. from the nation's capital. Tremendous. A source told The Athletic that Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant recently just signed with the Brooklyn Nets are pushing the Brooklyn Nets to sign Carmelo Anthony. Huh. Well, that'd be a disaster. What else you got? Ryan Fitzpatrick, as you guys alluded to earlier, has officially been named the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins week one when they face off versus Baltimore. Yeah, that is going to be a very interesting start to the football season. We're going to talk about it plenty today. What else you got, Solana? And finally, a recent survey of college kids found they're eating a dangerous amount of tuna and have no idea (laughs) it's high in mercury because of pollution. I love that bag tuna. You know, they have it in the bag now. They have salmon in a bag. That they got the tuna in a bag. Hell with tuna. Albacore? You give me white albacore <laughs> and is oil? It high, is it all high in mercury levels or just uh, the cheap stuff? I imagine there's got to be some tuna that's not high in mercury levels. Boiled eggs. <laughs> bagged albacore. Mayonnaise on a trisket. <laughs> oh! <laughs> that is that is porn. Someone is sadiddy. This dude just boiled eggs about, and bagged tuna sadiddy. This dude on a trisket. Triscuits be hitting, boy. <laughs> and they have fiber. You know I got a weak stomach. On a trisket. This dude, fifteen oh, years ago or twenty years ago, was talking about eating cube steak. And now he's telling you, you know, albacore, a little boiled egg. Ooh. You put it on a trisket. You like triscuits? I Who love triscuits. Like triscuits? Oh, it's like triscuits. Triscuits. It's triscuits. Mo- it, it just leaves your mouth dry. Oh. It has no flavor. Oh. No exaggeration. I bought six boxes of triscuits to get ready for Dorian. It, and it was buy one, get one on the triscuit. It was buy one, I know. get one. I bought, yes. I bought four boxes. Why do you think it was buy one, get one? Because nobody wants to buy them. Triscuits you got and that wheat thins. baby palate. Oh, wheat thins are a totally wheat, different category. It's the same family as uh, triscuits. Uh, debatable. Yeah. yeah. Baby Mount palate. Ru- I'll tell you right now, Mount Rushmore of crackers. You you got the triscuits. You got the uh, the wheat thins. You got um, you got you, the, rich, the goldfish. Get rich the crackers. Talking about the crackers, because what about the goldfish? Are those really considered a cracker? Oh, that goldfish blasted cheddar. I love them, but I, I don't know if I really like. Is an animal cracker a cookie? I'd sell my body for those. 
the blasted cheddar and the orange bag. Oh, Cheez-Its, though. Cheez-Its. Cheez-Its hidden, too. You know, I have uh, Cuban crackers on there, like Goja crackers. Cuban crackers are good. I'm not going to lie, but I don't think they go on my Mount Rushmore of crackers. The, no the, matzo? The big ones? Though they're, yeah. they're like real. No, those the, are dry. You want to talk about a dry com- you cracker? You talking about the communion crackers? Those big dry ones? No com- way, I'm, man. I'm, I'm, no communion uh-uh. crackers. But they're, they're very uh, dry. Very dry. Yeah. I don't like that. A yeah. little mantequilla right on top. Oof. Butter. Mantequilla. <laughs> Butter. Or the Mount Rushmore of crackers. I'll go over the uh, Dolphins quarterback list again. John Beck. <laughs> Cold pepper. Uh, he and uh, Ray Lucas and Cleo Lemon are not on. Hard pass. <laughs> that is a crazy list, though. It's it's terrible. You know what? Somebody just texted Buffalo Bills. Let me read these names out. Okay. Nathan Peterman, Matt Barkley, Derek Anderson, Tyrod Taylor, EJ Manuel, Kyle Orton, Thad Lewis, Jeff Toole, Fitzpatrick, obviously, Trent Edwards, Brian Brom, J.P. Lossman, J.P. Lossman was the only, one of the only sacks I ever had in the NFL because he didn't know where anything was coming from. He could never identify any blitzes. But J.P. Lossman, Kelly Holcomb, then you get to Drew Bledsoe back in 2002. So what, what is that, like 10 guys? I mean, that's I, 10. I, I think the Dolphins' list is worse, though. Yes, it is. Right? I you mean, got some decent ones. Fitzpatrick was in there. He sprinkled Tyrod in. Tyrod Taylor had a couple good seasons for them. Tyrod wasn't Jeff Jeff Peck, whatever I his think, name uh, was. I think John J- Beck. John Beck. I think J.P. Lossman had a decent season for them, no, didn't he? J.P. Lossman was special. He, he, didn't, have, he didn't have one decent season? No, no. J.P. Lossman was like, I I, I did well against him. You co- That's you, my level of knowing how good a quarterback is. You couldn't be is. more special than Nathan Peterman, though. That's the worst oh, quarterback no. on that list. Yes, yes. His bill stats have to be epic. <sighs> Like, epic. I don't know, man. Nathan Peterman, he's still in the league, though. A true. That's the craziest thing in the world. I don't know how, though. Huckman, Crowder, Solana, you can hear them weekdays from 3 to 6 here at 560, the Joe WQAM. I do not have any audio about crackers, but I do have audio about Miami Dolphins quarterbacks, especially the big announcement. Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be starter week one. Here's what Brian Flores had to say on why that is going to be. Well, like I just, you know, like I've said all along, after a thorough evaluation, OTAs, training camp, games, practice, we felt like this was the best move for this team going into the season. And, uh, you know, Ryan's done a really good job from a leadership standpoint, from an execution standpoint, and we feel like that's the best thing, you know, for this team. Of course, Ryan Fitzpatrick has been in the league, it seems like, for almost two decades, because he has been in the league for almost two decades. Now that he has been named the starter, are things going to get easier for him? He explains. Playing quarterback is very hard in the NFL, and it, it, it this is, like, I, I'm still doing this. I'm still playing because I want to be out there on the field, and I want to be in those tough times, in the huddle when we're facing adversity and trying to figure things out together and work through things, and that's the joy that I have in this game, and it is never easy out there. Even sometimes when it looks easier when you have a good game, I mean, it is never it is never easy. It's a difficult game, and, you know, I spent the last 14 years trying to figure it out and, and still – um, every week is a new challenge that's presented. So, you know, it's the beauty of the game. It's also the appeal, too. It's just the, the challenge of it, and it's so difficult to master every week. Always trying to give equal time here. So here is Josh Rosen talking about how he feels now that Fitz is the starter. Not great, but um, at least for me, the battle and competition never stops. Um, I mean, uh, I'll push him every single day um, for uh, him to get better, and if he doesn't get better, I'll hopefully surpass him at some point. But, um, I mean, we're teammates, so 
Uh, we're both Dolphins, and I'm, I'm rooting for him uh, as hard as anyone because uh, I think, uh, as I said before, rising tide raises all ships, and uh, I think our quarterback room's got a, a lot of good talent, and um, I think it's making me better as well. Should be exciting week one. That is going to be September 8th, 1 o'clock kickoff right there at Hard Rock Stadium. Of course, you, li- you can listen to the whole thing right here at 560 The Joe WQAM. That does it for the best of The Joe Show. Later, slug. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.